You know, there's nothing better than a move of God, and, I, and, and we just had one. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the, the Holy Spirit will move among us, move on us. I can't make it happen, although I'd like to. I'd like to believe that I could, but I've learned, you know, there's been times I, I, I you know, there's, this, there's these times where the Lord starts speaking to me about certain things, and, and sometimes it's in the middle of the night, and I remember it wasn't too long ago, I said to the Lord, I was like, well, Lord, how do I know it's you? And he's like, well, you're going to have to use faith, that's part of what faith is for, amen? Praise the Lord. But then, you know, he hasn't spoken to me in about, uh, on it since, you know, it was, was, was it the last time that I asked him that? It hasn't sp spoken in, in, in quite a, uh, or in like a, well over a week on that specific way. And in that, I, I realized that, uh, yeah, it's definitely not me because I haven't been waking myself up in the middle of the night and coming up with good ideas. So praise the Lord. So I know that I, I know that, that wasn't me, you know, and uh, I know it wasn't the devil because it was, it was all stuff on how to defeat the devil. And, if, you know, if we're, if we're fighting the devil, you know, the, Jesus said, if, if I cast out Satan by Satan, then I have my house divided and, and that can't stand. Amen. And so, uh, you know, we know that teaching and so we know we're so thankful for it. But man, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And, I, you know, I can't drum up things. I can't make special things happen. But I can tell you this. If I hadn't come to Corey tonight, that that move wouldn't have happened. If I hadn't come to Corey tonight, I wouldn't have seen those things that I saw. And uh, I'm so thankful that I was able to partake of that. Amen. So, so much of being in the body of Christ is about being in the right place at the right time. And if you follow the Holy Spirit and you endeavor to be hungry for the things that God has for you, you will always be in the right place at the right time. He will make sure of it. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I like being in the right place at the right time. But then I also think sometimes, whoo, I could have missed it real easy. You know? It just If I had done one thing differently, I, I could have missed it so easily. My life is a, is, a, is a wonderful example of being in the right place at the right time. So many times I thought it was the wrong place at the wrong time. But it's so amazing how God has worked through my life to get me to this stage right now. How he's, uses, how he's used adversity that has come against me. Now, he hasn't given me the adversity, but he's used the adversity to work, toward, to, to work towards his goal of what he wanted to do with me. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I believe this. I believe that if you've had adversity in your life, that the Lord is going to use that for your betterment. And how do I know that? Well, Romans 8.28 tells us that. If you love God and you follow after him, if you're, if you're active, actively being in the call of God, you know what I mean? You're after the call of God. Well, then he's going to work things, all, all those things together for the good. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I like that. I like that God's doing that. Amen? But uh, uh, it is so important to connect to what God is doing, to find out and to know where you're called to be. And then once you find out and know where you're called to be, you don't let anything take it from you. You know, if there's anything the devil always tries to do is he always tries to rob people of the plan of God. And the way that he does that is he makes people, he gets people unstable. And the way he does that is he gives people unstable thoughts. And people get unstable thoughts and they don't realize that there's an enemy, so they think those thoughts come from themselves. And they think it's a pretty darn good idea. But it's an unstable thought. And so they follow those, those thoughts through to the end and those thoughts always take them to places they don't want to be and places they don't want to go. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the teaching of the Word. I'm so thankful for these wonderful things that I've been given. If my pastor had not taught the Word with boldness, without, uh, without fearing uh, who was going to think what about him when he preached the Word, but if he hadn't done that, my life would have never changed. And if my life had never changed, I would have never been able to pastor. And if, my, if I had never pastored, I would never got into the things that God truly had for me. And so I'm so thankful for that. Amen. So if you'll follow God, if you'll be willing to hear from his spirit, he can show you so much, but it's the teaching of the word that keeps us sound. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord and helps us get right where God wants us to be. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight's message is called useful in Christ. Amen. Useful in Christ, and that's a, that's what we're just. I mean, it's a real simple message or simple title, uh, but that's exactly what we're going to get into. We're going to be talking about how to be useful. You know, you can be a Christian, uh, you can be a useful Christian, and you can be a not useful Christian. And and one of the major ways that we do that is in how we connect to the Word. I find this over and over and over again that it's so often in how we connect to the Word. It's how we connect to the direction. You know, we, it's like I was saying about tithes and offerings you know, earlier. There's people that just, instead of just looking at it and seeing it, they're just going to fight it because they don't want to do it. And that's the thing. If, we are, if we're fighting something because we don't want it, then we have to ask ourselves, are we fighting a righteous cause? Or are we fighting it because we're actually led? 
Praise the Lord. Uh, now, there's plenty of times where offerings have been taken up in various places that I've looked at it, and I said, I don't believe that's God. I don't believe that God's in that. And the reason is, is because uh, the motives were wrong, the way that it was being pushed was wrong, the way that it was being talked about was wrong. You know, and, and so there, there are times, certainly times, where, where people that are taking up offerings are just lining their own pockets or they're padding their, you know, their own bank account or something like that. And I'm not all about that. I'm not all for that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we throw out the baby with the bathwater. And the same thing with any, everything with God. There's correction. There are things that we need to know. But we need to ask ourselves, when we resist something, why are we resisting it? Are we resisting it because we're, uh, because we're trying to hang on to something that we want? You know, with sin, this is typically the way people always resist sin. People will resist, they will resist doing what's right. They will hold on to sin because they want the thing that they're doing and they want to justify it. And so they've gone to scripture looking for ways to justify it. And certainly they can find ways to do that. Not rightfully, but they can find the ways. But we don't want to be those people, amen? Uh, so if we're going to be useful... For Christ, we have to learn his way about doing things. It's God's way of doing things that works. It's not man's way. That's why, you know, uh, we don't worship our way. We don't uh, serve our way. We don't bring uh, what we want. We bring what's needed. We, we bring the part that God has brought, uh, uh, given us to bring. Amen? It's about how we connect to what God's doing. When we recognize that God's given us a place to be planted, then we be planted. Because we're the only ones that can decide that. Amen? It's an individual decision that each one of us make. Amen? But, uh, you, you, you know, this came to me and, and I thought it was real good, so I'll share it with you. It's, it was, don't try to make yourself something. Make yourself useful. If you want to be useful in Christ, and that's what God has called everyone to be, is useful. There is no such thing as a useless or, or, or God's desire for a useless Christian. Amen. A Christian that's doing nothing might as well go home and be with him. Because they're not doing anything here. They're not, they're, they're not partaking of what God has called. We are called to be partakers of the divine nature. And what that means is we're supposed to partake of, of what God has us to partake of here on earth. We're supposed to be useful. But there's so many Christians that have just become useless. And a lot of it is because of distraction. A lot of it is because of things of the world that pull them away. Focus in the world and, and all that. And they, they focus on these things and they spend their lives striving after these things. And they wonder why they can't ever get it. You know, the beginning of James uh, 4 tells us all this. It says, that, you, you know, where do wars and, 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 and fightings come from? You know, it comes from our, our, the desires in our flesh. You know, or, but it comes from the... These, uh, this desire in us to have what we want. It's a, it's a, a selfish, motivated thing. I've seen this a lot in ministry. When it comes to ministry, people who are called to ministry. Now, there's no doubt a lot of people called to ministry. I'm not, I'm, I'm not questioning that. But there's a lot of people that are called to ministry that want opportunity. And what that is, is called pride. That's all that is. Because there's no such thing as opportunity. I don't get opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to sit here and preach. This is God blessing his people to have somebody in a pulpit to preach a message to them that's spirit-led. Amen? But if God has called us to ministry, you can be excited about that. The Bible says that he who, desire, or he who desires the office of a bishop or a pastor or, or overseer, however you want to say it, uh, desires a good work. Amen? And so it's not wrong to desire that if that's something that's in you. But looking for opportunity is a self-motivated thing. Because if we submit ourselves to God and we learn how to submit ourselves to God, truly submit ourselves to God, he will see to it that when it's time for us to be used, we'll get used. But that doesn't mean what a lot of people do, especially when they're called to ministry, is they want to sit around and wait for the boat to come in. They want to wait for the things, the train to arrive at the station. They just figure, well, I'll sit here and then sooner or later God will bring it in. But that is not the way that it happens. God has never called us to anything to be idle, to get to anything. There is never a place where God said, hey, just, just be idle and not do anything at all. We say, well, well that kind of happened at Pentecost. Well, not really. They had to be somewhere. Amen? And they had to wait for a particular time. But then once they got what they got, when they went where they went, they had to go where, where, where they were to go. They didn't keep it right there, did they? They went out and did something with it. And that's exactly what God has called us to do. And so the best thing that a human can do is do what they're called to do right down in the moment. 
you know, you may be, you say, oh, well, I'm called to this greater thing. I have this greater thing in my life. Maybe God has shown you this or God has shown you that. And there's this thing that you want to get to at some point. That's wonderful to have goals. But a lot of people sit around looking at the goals instead of looking at what God wants to do right now. Not realizing that it's the path that we walk that leads us to where we're going. I said it's the path that we walk that leads us to where we're going. And so the path, if we're not getting to where God has called us to be, we have to ask ourselves, what path are we on? You know, uh, there's one thing, you know, sometimes we'll be busy for weeks or months, and sometimes there'll be certain things that you have to do in periods of time. Amen? There's seasons of time where you're called to do something or where you have to do something. For example, we have a lot of mothers in here. Mothers, you know full well that there's a season where, 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 where there's not much else you can do, that's what you got to do is be a mother. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if that season passes, like any other season, if a season passes and you're still not going forward, you're still not getting into anything, you got to ask yourself, am I even walking the path I'm supposed to? Because if you walk the path that God has for you, he said that there is a future and a hope. There is a future. There is no man or woman or child that can keep you out of God's plan except for yourself. And so if you will hunger and pursue God, you will get there, amen? We're going to start in James 4, 7. Let's go ahead and flip over there. Uh, you know, I talked about the beginning of James, but we're going to a little bit, or James, the beginning of James 4, but we're going to go over uh, down to verse 7. Simple scripture, but there, there, there's, a lot, uh, there's a lot in it, amen? It says here, James 4, 7, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God. This is what we're called to do. But submitting to God is not just, uh, uh, okay, God, I submit. Because you can say one thing and then go out and do another. Submission to God is saying, Lord, you know, it's just like saying, Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I told you to do? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I commanded you to do? In other words, to, to say Lord to Jesus, you're saying, I'm giving you place in my life to control my life. You're either going to have a Lord or you're going to be a Lord. It's one of the two things. But uh, uh, if you uh, give control over to someone else, you have allowed them to become your Lord. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. He said, why do you call me Lord and then don't do what I tell you to do? That's what submission to God is. is it's, it's submitting to what God has called you to do. But God, uh, you, you may say, well, I, you know, I, I remember a time when I knew, I learned that I was called to pastor, and yet I wasn't a pastor yet. From the time that I was called to pastor to the time I entered the season and was able to start pastoring was several years. That's for me. That's the way that it walked out for me. It was several years between those two times. That's when I knew that I was called and the time when it happened. I mean, when I, when I say I knew that I was called, I mean, I had verification from somebody who was over me said, yes, you're called to pastor, and that's the season that you're in now. Not, oh, you might be called to pastor someday. I can see that. Not, uh, oh, this is something you're sensing. No, this is someone else at the point when someone else verified, yes, this is what you're called to, and that's where you're called. You know the town. You know the place. It's time to start really thinking about this, making the plan, so to speak, and it was still two years before I walked into that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if I had sat there and waited, just waited for it to fall into my lap, it would have never happened. If I had gone out and tried to force my way into it, it would have crashed and burned. What I had to do is walk it out. And see, that's the thing. When we're called to anything with God and we're all called to something with God, amen, He's called us because otherwise we're useless Christians. And God hasn't called us to be useless Christians. There's so many Christians that really, literally do nothing for the body of Christ. Maybe they give an extra big tip once in a while to a waitress. Now that's a good thing that every Christian should do. But that isn't part of the plan of God. That's not fulfilling. That's not actively fulfilling the plan of God. People are like, well, I read my Bible. That, that, that's not actively fulfilling the plan of God. That is the basic things that we're called to do as a Christian. Well, I pray. That's the basic thing you're called to do as a Christian. I go to church. Basic thing you're called to do as a Christian. The, 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 there's not, you know, so many people think that, that I, I know people that have, have come into the church and like, Pastor, I made it. Well, praise the Lord. You did the basic thing you're called to do as a Christian. You didn't, you didn't gain any favor points with God for doing that. 
You didn't, you didn't step into it. Now you're not prepared to be in the ministry. See, God has called us to walk this thing out. And the way that we walk it out is by connecting to what God is doing. And when we connect to what God is doing, we don't just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to come up with my own plan and make that what God is doing. And if anyone else wants to bless me, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God. But no, we follow this, but God is going to call us and connect us together. There are things that he's going to do with us together. Now, that's going to look different for each one of us. And so don't just think that, uh, 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 they, they, don't think that I'm, uh, you, you know, just saying it's got to look like one thing. But there should be some forward movement. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It all has to do with how we connect and what we do with it. How do we submit? How do we submit to God? How do we bring ourselves to God? Do we bring ourselves to him? Like, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. Okay, God, let's get it done. And I know that that sounds funny to say it that way, and most people wouldn't say, oh, that's probably not the right way, but yet that's what most people do. I said most people do. I find myself doing that all the time, so I know you're doing it all the time. Glory to God. How do I know that? Because, well, if I'm doing it, then somebody else has got to be doing it too. And the thing I found is that most Christians have this in them. It's like, oh, this is my plan. You know, this is my idea of how I want it to be. I endeavor to be led by the Spirit. That's why I always say everything is subject to change. Man, if next week we got to start doing this at 5 o'clock, then that's what, that's what the, you know, if the Lord wants to do that. I, I doubt he's going to change things week to week like that. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is that, we're, that things are subject to change as we follow God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, Romans 8, 28 and 29, it says, We know that uh, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to, be con to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Now see, you can't separate these two scriptures. Those he foreknew, those he planned to, 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 to have, you know, he, 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 he had a plan for them, right? We know that, Jeremiah 29, 11, glory to God. He predestined to become conformed to become conformed. That is different than, uh, than coming in and, and, and with your ideas of how things are going to be. Being conformed means that you change to something else. Jesus laid down his will. He laid down his desire. He laid down his wants for the plan of God. He laid down his life for the plan of God. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to present this to you, and I'm going to say it in such a way, because uh, I really want you to understand this. This is something that I believe that I've done over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, the Lord shows me, have you really? He's brought it up to me in different times. Well, there's this area. This isn't conformed to my image. And he doesn't do that to make me feel uh, terrible about myself. But he does that to keep my pride in check. Because sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm doing all right. I, I, I think I've got this. And then you come up with some idea. And he's like, yeah, was that my idea or was that your idea? And see, we can have God's idea or we can have our own ideas thinking they're God's ideas and trying to justify it that way. And they're not God's ideas at all. The key is to be submitted. Amen. And that word submit is a very important word. We are called to submission. It's a hard word. Now, and I've said this in the recent Faith Fix, I think, uh, and, and, and I want to reiterate this. Submission does not mean that you allow yourself to be abused. You know, there's some people that say, well, and this way people don't like that word submission, especially when it's in the context of religion, because there's been too many people that have abused people under the guise of submission. You need to submit to me. I'm your elder. Well, there is a truth to that. There is an elder, there is an elder, like see, there, there is an, I, this understanding, there is a scriptural understanding that when we're called together as a group, that we will submit things under those people. And the, and, and, the, and the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it talks about, in Hebrews 13, it says to submit to our elders, right? In, in First Peter, first uh, uh, second Peter, I don't know, one of the Peters, uh, it, it, it says the same thing, we're supposed to submit to our eldership. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means that you submit yourself under that, 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 that ranking. 
you understand that there is a pecking order. And that pecking order is there for a reason. Now, I'm preaching boldly tonight. Glory to God. So don't think that I'm preaching just by my own desire. Because I'm not. I wouldn't want to say this. I don't want to say this. And I certainly don't want anybody to submit under me. Other than what is God, God's plan. I want that to happen. I don't want Jeff followers. That's not what I'm after. I don't care to have that. I don't want you calling me up every, every 10 minutes asking me what you should do for your life. I don't want stuff like that. In fact, that's one of the most annoying things is when people do that. But at the same time, the other one of the mo uh, another one of the most annoying things as a pastor is when people submit nothing. They just like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And they just, they just go do it. And they're like, well, do you even care about the plan of God? And what I mean by that is this, is like, if you ever thought, like, if you, when, you, when you think about leaving, do you, are you thinking about the plan of God? If you thought about, see, if you put yourself in the right place, in the right understanding, the right mindset, you will never, you will never deal with those thoughts that draw Christians away from where God has called them to be. You, your giving isn't hard when you were connected to the plan of God. Because you want it to come to pass as much as you want your own life to come to pass. Because it is your own life, you recognize that. When you know that it's the plan of God, you're not going to get jealous of your brothers or sisters being, uh, being increased or being put into a position because you'll understand that that's all part of the plan of God and that's part of what you're connected to. And because it means so much to you because you're connected to it, you're not going to get mad, you're not going to get jealous. You're going to rejoice. Amen? You're not going to hate it when the pastor, you know, has to bring out this correction or says this type of thing or, or, or calls on people to serve and maybe calls on you to serve. I remember one of the first places I learned this in Jamestown when I was in the Jamestown church. The last thing I wanted to do was anything with lawn maintenance. I don't know why, but I just didn't want to do it. And I remember the, the week that they stood up there and they said, we need people to, to sign up for the, the, we need people to sign up to mow the lawn and weed whack and stuff because we don't have enough people to do it. And they had a huge property, you know, I think they have 11 acres or something like that. And it wasn't all mowed, but a lot of it was, a good portion of it was. And, and I remember thinking, I don't want to do that. I got something better I want to do or something, you know, I have other ideas, but I don't want to do that. And I remember for several weeks, I would hear them talk about that. And inside me, it was like a hot poker kept pressing me on the inside. And I knew it was what I was supposed to do, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. Amen. It was what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And because it wasn't what I wanted to do, I justified why I didn't do it. And I did that for several weeks. Until I finally had heard enough of it and I was like, I either got to leave this place or I got to get on board with what the Lord's doing. See, sometimes you're going to feel hot pokers while you're sitting in service and you're going to blame it on me. But the truth is, it's the Holy Spirit dealing with you. Hallelujah. Now, people that can't deal with little hot pokers on the inside of them telling them that they need to change something are, are called babies. Listen. Sometimes we got to change things and we got to be mature enough to be able to do so. But if we're going to be after the plan of God, we have to understand it doesn't all revolve around us. In fact, it doesn't revolve around us at all. The only thing that has to do with us is that God wants to utilize us to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. But it doesn't matter what our personal preference is. It doesn't matter what our taste is. It does, I, you know, it's, it's so funny. I was talking to my son Caleb this morning. We were walking. We were, went for a little walk and we were talking about the things of God. Actually, that's where this message was born from. I had a totally different message and then all of a sudden, it just, there was so much unction. I told him as we were walking, I I said I could start. I wish I had somebody to preach to right now. I mean, he was letting me preach to him pretty good, but there was there was just unction. There was things that were were perhaps lost that we'll never hear again, but they were coming out and they were good. Amen. But it was the spirit, and I sensed it. Hallelujah. But I was like, you know, I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to go to Corey and start a church. I didn't want to I don't want to buy this building. I didn't want this building. I didn't necessarily want to be here. Actually, there was a building that came up on the market just a, about a year, year and a half ago or something like that. And I'm like, Lord, why didn't you give me that building? I love that building. It's got a campus and it's beautiful and it's just exactly, it's a style I want and all those things. You know why? Because God isn't consulting me for his plan. And guess what else God is not going to do? He's not going to consult you for the plan for your life. And so when we come to God with a desire of him to consult us, with our ideas. Well, I think this is how I need to do it. Brothers and sisters, I see this all the time. I see it all the time. Sometimes I just let, let it try to get worked out of people. Because until I have entrance into people's lives, there's a lot of things I can't even say. And that all comes in that line of submission. There's things that I can't say to people because they won't come to me and say, hey, 
What do you think about this? They come and say, this is what I'm doing. Okay, great, do it. What you want me to do with it? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, they, it, there, there's, a, there's a total different... See, if we're connected, though, God's got a plan that he wants to accomplish here. There's something he wants to do through the people that sit in these seats. There's something that he wants to do with the people that are yet to sit in these seats. And when you know that, you'll get just as excited as I will when they walk through the door. Because you understand that God is not consulting us for the plan. He's got a plan, and he's called us to the plan. To be conformed to his image, not us, not us to conform him to our image. So whatever it is you thought, whatever it is you thought you had to have a certain way, whatever it is you thought your life was going to look at, if you want to be in the plan of God, I'm not saying in this church, you can be in this church and not follow the plan of God. That's how loving we are. Amen? Praise the Lord. Somebody pat me on the back. That's how loving. We'll love you even if you don't want to get in the plan of God. But listen, don't cry to me when you're wondering why, why you're not blessed like somebody else is. You know what I mean? Because that's the truth. If we want to get in the plan of God, we have to lay down our lives. That means everything that you thought has to be subject to sacrifice. Everything that you thought, every way you were raised, Every, every idea that was put in you. Listen, I'm not talking about my plan. i got to do the same thing. You think I want to do it? I don't want to do it either. <laughs> there ain't nobody that wants to crucify the flesh. Nobody likes that. But that's exactly what crucifying the flesh... When Jesus said you got to pick up your cross daily and follow me, what do you think he was talking about? He didn't think... You know, picking up the cross is this idea. You know, it doesn't mean that we literally have to go find a cross and nail ourselves to it and drag it around the streets. But it literally means we have to look into our lives and say, okay, what things do I put on the chopping block? And if you really want to be in God's plan, you know what you got to do? Put it all on the chopping block. It all. Now listen, don't look at your spouse and say, I'm sorry, but you're going. Because that, that, you, you're already married and God honors that. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. Uh, but maybe there's certain things you're going to have to with them. Maybe there's certain attitudes or ideas. Amen? Praise the Lord. But God will cause all things to work together for the good to those who are called according to his purpose. However, they also have to be conformed to his image. The image was uh, Jesus did not seek his own. He didn't seek what, what he wanted. He wasn't living the life for him. Now, this doesn't, don't, don't take this too far and think that you can't enjoy anything in life. You certainly can but I'm talking about your plans and your purposes, the things that you've set up. Well, I, 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 got, I want it this way. This is what I'm working towards. Maybe sometimes I've seen, again, I'll bring up ministry again because this is a big one. People feel they're called to ministry. That's fine. But what are you called to right now? Because ministry will mean nothing if you're not doing something now. I said ministry, and I'll just take it further. Ministry will never happen unless you're doing something now. And doing something now doesn't look like, oh, I, I, I do this once in a while. Because ministry doesn't look like I do this once in a while. Ministry is 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It never quits. And so if that's what you're called to, then your life better start looking like it's conforming to 7 days a week, 365 days a year. I'm not saying it has to right now, but it better start heading that way. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you, if you come into church, praise the Lord. I know we have some people that are called to ministry in here, so I'm just helping you, amen? But if you're called to ministry and you come into church and you're like, oh, that's nice, everything got done, how'd that get done? If you don't even know how things got done, then you're probably a long ways away from where you need to be. Because God has called you to serve somewhere else before you're going to serve higher. It's always the case. It's always, it always comes through those steps, amen? I don't know how we got on all this, but uh, praise the Lord. I believe it's good. How do we submit? How do we submit ourselves? Well, pastor, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to give. Praise the Lord. This is, this is how I want to be. This is what I have to offer. Now, there's a truth that God said to bring the gifts that you have. But, but in bringing the gifts that you have, there's more to it than that. Because what if you bring in the gift that you have, but we don't have need of that gift? You know, I, I've said this before. What if everybody in here was able to speak? What if everybody is in here... We obviously couldn't have everybody speak every week. And so there's something else that you're called to bring. Amen? And, 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 it's, and it's up to us to start hungering and thirsting for that, but also to crucify our flesh to be willing to do so. 
sometimes the things, you know, I had mentioned about the, you know, the, 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 the what if you're called, uh, to, to need somebody here to be called to, to come if we need somebody down here in the middle of the night. Amen? It, honestly, it shouldn't be the pastor that has to do it. I said it shouldn't be the pastor that has to do it. It shouldn't be that way. I remember when I was in the church and I got the privilege of having a key and then a code. And then I also got the privilege of meeting the police there at 2 o'clock in the morning. And 3 o'clock in the morning. And 4 o'clock in the morning. Because in those early days of having that new building, for whatever reason, the alarm would go off at 2 o'clock in the morning. At least once a week. And I would have to get up out of bed. And I didn't want to get up, but I'd have to drive across town, go over to the church, and knowingly meet the police who were not happy that they were there again. Uh, but meet them there and then walk through the building knowing that nothing was going wrong, knowing that it was just a glitch in the, in, in the alarm system or whatever it was. But that's what I was called to do. That's what I had to do. And I remember that. I remember Lord gave me, you know, I was an usher, and I knew that there was a call for other things, that I was going to be called into other things. And God had made me an usher, and I knew that that was a place where, where, where I was serving. You know, I served as an usher a lot. I traveled with my pastor. I served with him as an usher a lot. And I remember the day that I, I remember going somewhere, and I remember the day that the Holy Spirit revealed to me and showed me something. He said, you're called to usher, so be an usher. So what I did was I, I, I realized that I wasn't just called when I was there at that one service, that I was an usher all the time. We had ushers at the time that were, uh, you know, at the time that, that, you know, they wanted to serve, but only once a month. They didn't want to serve more than once a month. But the Lord showed me I was an usher every time I, every time I was at church. Every time I was around a man of God, I was an usher. That's what he showed me. And I said, the Lord showed me that. So I embraced that because that's what he called me to, so that's what I was. Even though I was called to pastor, I was called from my mother's womb, I actually had that prophesied over me, and I knew that I was called at least before that to pastor or to something in ministry, but even at that time, I knew that at that moment, I was an usher, and so that's what I was called to, and that's what I fulfilled. Amen. And I'm not patting myself on the back because I certainly didn't do it good all the time. There's a lot of things I would go back and change if I could, but I'm just saying there's something that the Lord revealed to me. Amen? Praise the Lord. But we decide... We decide how we're, going to, uh, how we're going to either submit or not submit. We decide, are we going to be part of this plan truly or aren't we? And one of the things, one of the reasons that this message is being preached is not because I hate you. It's not because, you know, uh, God hates you or doesn't want good things for you. But one of the reasons that this is being preached is because there has been an assault. This, this is an outside attack on the body of Christ for years now. But it's gotten the body of Christ weakened. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal to you right where it's at. The body of Christ is so consumed with distraction that they wouldn't know revival if it hit them in the face. They're so consumed with distraction. And I want you to think about it. Think about your own life. Think about how much of your life you devote to certain things. And then ask yourself, how much of my life is truly devoted to the things of God? I'll even say this to even the people that serve the best, and I include myself in this. You go to church, maybe you go to every service, and that's wonderful that you do, right? And maybe you serve at every service. But is that all you do for God? Is that where your heart for God stops? Is that, where, is that the bulk of your life? Is that what it's summed up? Now I realize, you know, there's, there's truth. We have to work and stuff like that. And we have to, we, you know, there's certain things in life that we have to take care of. And we'll look back at the women again, the, the mothers. Praise God for the mothers. And we, we're so thankful for you and that you do the things that you do. And uh, obviously you're going to be distracted by those things. And so there's obviously things that you have to take care of. That, you know, I'm not saying that. But, but, but even that we can do for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Even parenting you can do for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Am I raising my kids to be all in in church? One of the things we're so thankful that we raise our kids with is that they would be in church at every, every chance that they got. And so that's what they did. They were in church every chance that we, 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 we'd go to guest minister meetings. And if they had to go to school late the next day because they were up late at a guest, a guest minister meeting, then that's the way that it was. But what meeting did we not include you guys in? Almost never. But my kids, you ask them if they want to go to church or if they want to do something else, they'll always choose church. Every one of my kids serves in the local church, and they do that because they learn. This, this, this uh, uh, precious young woman here who entered our family a few years ago, glory to God, 
Same thing. Raised in church. It's just it wouldn't be anything else. That's what it is. Church is what we do. It's our life. Glory to God. I, re I remember when, uh, you know, when, when we started the church, Ezra was five years old, and we were like, what are we going to do with a five-year-old? You know, we didn't have nursery. We didn't have ability to have nursery and stuff like that. We had her in church, and she learned how to be in church. But we can sit with any minister and sit there and have a two-, three-hour conversation with a minister, and she can sit right next to us and be quiet the entire time, just listen. Why is that? Because she's been raised around it. She's been raised to honor and respect those things. And my boys were the same way. We, it didn't matter. We could go out to dinner with a minister and sit there for two, two and a half, three hours. And the kids would just sit there. They wouldn't, they, we wouldn't have to talk to them about fighting. We wouldn't have to talk to them about poking each other. We wouldn't have to talk to them about talking over the minister. They listened. They, were just part, they partook of it. And they were never unhappy about it either because they learned these things. Amen? They learned how to... Uh, to partake of the things of God. But, what, but that's what I mean is that the body of Christ has become so distracted by everything. Well, we have, to, we have to have this and we have to have that and we have to do this and we have to do that. And it's like pretty soon there's nothing left in their life for God. What are we truly accomplishing? If we want to accomplish the work of God, we have to throw ourselves into it. There has to be a realization that this life is temporary. And, uh, and I know that this isn't necessarily an easy message to hear. And maybe if there was new people here, maybe the message would go in a different direction. But there isn't new people here tonight. Glory to God. We're talking to, to people who are born again, believers, that want the plan of God for their lives. But what's it going to cost? We have to be willing to pay what it costs. Amen? Praise God. And I use myself in this too. I don't exempt myself from this. I'm faced with things all the time that I don't want to do, and yet we, we go back and do them. Amen? Praise the Lord. Got to make yourself do it. Hallelujah. Uh, well, glory to God. 2 Timothy 2. Praise Jesus. And this isn't stuff to be sad about, but it is stuff to, to, to think soberly about. We have to realize that, that, you know, if the work isn't getting done, it's, it, it, it's not the fault of God. It, it, he's not waiting, uh, or we're not waiting on him to, to make something happen. It, it, it's, it's how we orchestrate, it's how we organize things. You know, one of the big things is this. The Lord has dealt with me on this. I have a, you know, one of the, the, the things with uh, uh, the office of pastor is uh, there's an anointing to do things. That, that, that often um, that, uh, look like, could look like business. You know, running a church is much, much like running a business. I've had a business. I, I know what it's like. And running a church is much like that. You have to be mindful of all these different same things. And, you know, it, it, there is a business side to running a church, believe it or not. Why? Because there's organization, there's structure, there's buildings, there's mortgages, there's loans, there's credit cards, there's, you know, payments, there's uh, employees, whatever, whatever you have, right? And um, uh, so there, there's uh, uh, an anointing to be able to do that. Uh, a true pastor will have the ability to be able to do that to a degree or at least be surrounded with people that can. And so a lot of times there's a tendency or a desire to, to like go utilize that gifting to, to, to make money. There's times where I want more, I want to do more, or like, I, hey, I could do the air conditioning by myself if we, if we could just go make this money, and we're willing to do things like that. And so we think about that, but the Lord has stopped me every single time. <clears throat> and the reason that he stopped me every single time is because it's a distraction. Yeah. It distracts me from the plan of God. Because I won't be able to do the things, and he showed me that specifically. So every time I go to do those things and I can't do them, I think, man, well, what about this? And then the Lord reminds me. There is this aspect of having faith in him and trusting him. I am not being gifted with the ability in the moment to supply all the needs of the local church. And so because of that, that's not my calling. But uh, the reason I bring that up is because there's a lot of times, I've seen this a lot of times, where people are called, they think they're called to ministry, and then they're getting into this thing and getting into that thing and they're adding this and they're adding that. And all they're doing is they're limiting themselves and what they're actually ever going to be able to do. Amen. Instead of trusting God and saying, you know what, if, if, this, if this thing is distracted, if I want to be in the... Say, say, let's just say it's not even ministry. Let's just say you feel like you, you've got to do something greater for God. Is there anyone who in here who ever feels that way? 
So maybe not even ministry. Let's just take that word right out of it because sometimes I get people caught up thinking the wrong way. You want to do something greater for God? You think there's something in you that burns for greater for God. What are you distracted? What keeps you from doing that, truly? Where are you distracted that, will, that, that tries to pull you away from that? And if those things are a distraction and you just see, you know, I, I always had the saying when my, my, my son, I share it with my other son, I learned it when, when, with him. Uh, it was just something the Holy Spirit showed me and I, I've used it in the pulpit many times. But it's this idea of spinning our wheels. If we're spinning our, I said, if you're spinning your wheels, something's off. You're not getting anywhere, right? Have you ever been there? You ever been stuck in the snow and you're just spinning, 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 and you know you have to deal with the situation? Because I've done that on my four-wheeler many times when I was plowing with it and I got into too deep of snow and then all of a sudden the wheel, you know, belly's bottoms out in the belly and under the snow and it just sits there and spins. Well, I can sit on that thing all day long. It ain't going to go anywhere. There's only so much. I, I had that actually happen the other day before I put the lawnmower away at my house. I was, I was mowing the leaves up and stuff, and I got into this wet spot. I knew it was a wet spot, but I th thought I could get through it, and I didn't. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there spinning, and, and then I started rocking it. It was rocking a little bit, and it was spinning, and I was, so I was still trying because, you know, lawnmower is heavy. And I don't want to have to try to figure out how to get it out. And so I, I, I go there, and I, I'm doing this, rocking it back and forth, and all of a sudden it stops rocking. And the wheels are just spinning, throwing mud, right? Ain't going anywhere. Now, I could sit there all day long, but it wasn't going to go anywhere. So I had to do is I had to get off of it, and I had to do the work that I had to do to get it from stop spinning. And, you know, that's, uh, it's kind of the same thing with our lives. If we're just spinning our wheels, we're, just not, we're not getting anywhere. It's just always the same thing. We have to ask ourselves, what are we doing wrong? Or what are we not doing? Because there's a, there, there's, a, there's a point where, you know, and there's a place in time where God will let you spin your wheels so long, but pretty soon you'll just find yourself being completely useless. If we're going to be useful Christians, we've got to stop spinning wheels. We've got to stop being people that are going around the same tree all the time. Right? It's like a dog chasing the tail. Right? We look at it and we laugh because it's foolish, but how many Christians are doing that? Just running around in circles. They're never getting anything done. They're never getting anything done. There's just, it's just always the same thing. Well, your focus is probably off. There, see, there's a lot of things in life we can attain if we're after it. But has God truly called us to those things? What has God called us to? And what has he called us to right now? Amen. 2 Timothy 2. Praise the Lord. Verse 19. 2 Timothy 2.19. Hallelujah. Nevertheless... The firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, you know, that, that, that would get us thinking, you know, of course, it, it is dealing with sin. We have to stay away from sin, and that's true. But, you know, if you are naming the name of the Lord... It says here that God knows who are his, truly his. There's a lot of people that are, are falsely throwing it around, but they're not really, are they really his? Your life will reflect who your Savior, who your Lord is. If Jesus is your Lord, your life should reflect that. If your life is not reflecting it, it's time for change. Because a life, the, a Christian, a useless Christian, there's no such thing as a good, useless Christian. What does the Bible say? Actually, Jesus talked about this. He said, if you, you're being grafted in, if you become basically fruitless, which is useless, if you're not bearing fruit as a Christian, then you will be cut off and thrown, uh, th thrown away as well. And so that is a warning that we, we, we have to understand. It should mean something to us. If we're just spinning our wheels, if we're just continually never bearing fruit, you know, I, I had that as I was looking at some trees. I was walking around my property today just looking at some trees that I have on the, in, the, in the yard there. And, you know, I was looking at some of them have like the, I don't know, it must be the buds that they're going to be uh, the, the new branches next year or something. But they're there. You can see them. You know, the leaves are gone, so it's really easy to look at them. But this one, I was looking at this one tree that I've trimmed a lot. It's kind of an ornamental tree. It's right off of our deck, off the back of our house. And I was looking at it today, and as I was looking at it, you know, I was looking at these branches, and, you know, I kind of shaped it a little bit because I cut off some branches, you know, uh, you know, in a, uh, you, know, you know, we know that about trees. If you want a nice ornamental tree, you have to prune it and stuff. Yeah. 
But I noticed that there was a branch that had, uh, you know, it probably been covered under the leaves. Uh, it stuck up so far, but it was just kind of, you could tell it was dead. Just by looking at it, it was dead. It was useless. I reached up and I snapped it off, threw it away. It was useless. It wasn't going to produce anything. You know, there's plenty of branches on that tree that were going to produce stuff, but that one was useless. We don't want to be useless Christians. We don't want to be dried up. Our lives just dried up. You know, there's purpose in the plan of God. There's purpose in following God. And so when we plan our lives out, you know, everybody in life, they have that, you know, we come at life, we all come at it so planned out, don't we? You know, by this age, I want to do this thing, and I want to marry this person and have this number of kids, and I want to, I want to have this much, uh, uh, you know, a house. I want to have a car. I want to have it. But we've not, have we asked God any of that? Have we asked God if any of that is, is part of the plan? Or do we just go ahead and make it the way that we want it to be? And see, that's what a lot, a lot of the teaching today, and, I'll, and, and I, I get a little uh, uh, perturbed with it in the faith camp, because I love the faith camp. I love faith. I love learning about faith and the knowledge of faith and, and what it means to stand on faith and to trust God and to, to know that God will supply every need that we have and that he'll bless us on top of it. That's wonderful things. But when you, when you spend so much time just talking to people about what they can get from God and what they have to do to get from God and all the stuff about getting from God and getting from God and doing this to get from God and you want to get healed and you want to get fixed and you want to get fed and you want to get this and you want to get that and all the stuff that we can always get from God when we spend all this time focusing on all that stuff, you know what we become? We become pe people that are completely self-centered and self-motivated. We're trying to attain for ourselves. When God doesn't have any problem with us attaining things, but the way he wants us to do it is through his direction. He wants us to do it for when we, we've yielded our lives to him. Does God want you healed? Certainly wants you healed. It doesn't do God any good when Christians are sick, running around, not running around. Not getting anyone saved. It doesn't do any good. Does God want you supplied? Of course he wants you supplied. It does God no good when Christians can't even afford to pay attention, much less given to an offering, right? Of course God wants you taken care of. Does God want you fed? Of course he wants you fed. Without feeding, you're not going to have the energy that you need to go running around with. So you could have all the money in the world, all the healing in the world, but if you have no energy because you had no food, well, you... If you had no money, or all the money, you would have food probably. But you know what I'm saying, right? Glory to God. And so, of course, God wants to take care of us this way. We get, we're foolish for thinking that. But Christians, we have to move beyond this idea that God wants us. We have to accept that God wants to take care of us, that he wants us blessed, that he has, he has done such wonderful things to make sure that we're blessed. We have to move beyond that and stop focusing on that. It should be a given. Like coming to church should be a given. Like, like, you know, like giving to God should be a given. Like seeking after him should be a given. Him blessing us should be a given. It's a given. Just settle it in your heart. Get it settled. If you can't, you're going to be a useless Christian. Because a useless Christian sits around worrying all the time about how God... Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Take no thought for your life. And yet everybody's taking thoughts for their life all the time. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Do you trust God or don't you? Trust God so you can get into the good stuff. Because the good stuff is not you being blessed. He will bless you to be a blessing. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's why, like when there's need, that should excite us. When pastor presents you with, you know, we got need. That should excite you. Why? Because God provides everything that he's going to do. And so if there is a need, what he's saying, what, 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 when the pastor's telling you this, what it is is it's opportunity for you to go, oh, I can be in faith. I can get excited. I can partake of this because if God has a need and he's presented it to me, then he's got to supply me to take care of it. And so these things shouldn't even be an issue with a Christian. And yet this is where we're caught up. This is the American gospel. How do we fix this and how do we fix that? You follow God, you'll get fixed. He'll give you the direction if you need to do it. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about running at life blindly and just not doing, you know, you know there's balance to all things, amen? But wickedness is, is running around not knowing what they're doing, amen? Um, but God has called us to abstain from wickedness, to not be conformed to the world. It's the world that seeks, you know, the world doesn't know. It's the world that doesn't know. I said it's the world that doesn't know. If Christians are lost, then how is the world going to know? 
And yet most Christians run around lost all the time. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what anyone's going to do. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we're going to be. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think you're all worked up about all these things. And God said, if you just trust me, like I said, didn't I say I'd take care of all your needs? Didn't I say I'd work all things out for the good? Hallelujah. If you're in that call. Are we in that call or aren't we in that call? We have to establish where we're at. Let's stop being useless Christians. Man, it's time. There's a work, there's a work ahead of us. Praise the Lord. Where there's work, there is grace. Amen. Hallelujah. There, where there's work, there's grace, there's ability. You're like, well, I don't have that exactly. He isn't calling you to figure it out. He didn't call you to figure out how you're going to come up with the money. He said, trust him, you'll bring it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Uh, verse 20. Now in a large house... John 14, and I've been saying this for a while. Maybe some people believe me, maybe some people don't, but I can back it up. John 14, 1, when it talks about our mansions in heaven. Well, it doesn't say our mansions in heaven. Jesus said that in my Father's household, there are many dwelling places. That's literally what the translation is. Now, I have no doubt that God's got mansions in heaven, so I'm not taking away your house in heaven. Amen? You're not going to be left out in the rain. But that's not what that's talking about. The whole purpose of that is about leading us into that place of God's presence where everything is. We hear that word dwell all the time through Scripture, John 8, 31, 32, right? So the same thing is here. It says in a large house. <clears throat> you know, and it's using an example. This is a, kind of a parable of talking about God's house. In a large house, and we'll see how this is connected. In a large house, there are, not, uh, there, there are not only gold and silver vessels. Praise the Lord. I want to pull this up real quick. I just want to see. Because I'm just curious. Um, what, did I, what did I say this was? Second, um, Second Timothy. Right? You with me? Chapter 2, verse 20. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Yep, it's the same word. Same word that's used there in, in John, uh, John 14, uh, 1. Same, uh, praise the Lord. In a large house, there are not only, uh, let me read it here. I got to, you got to pull up twice here, you know. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, in a large house, there are, not only gold, uh, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor, some to dishonor. So, you know, like in a house, we have, you have a toilet, and you have a table, right? Now, the dining room table really means something, right? The dining room table is usually where you set the fancy meal at, right? If you have, some houses, they have like a dining room table, a kitchen table, and you sit at the kitchen table when you're eating your normal meals, but when you have Thanksgiving dinner with everybody over, you sit around the big, you get out the fancy dishes, right? Now, how many people, how many people you see wanting to go eat on the toilet? Although it cuts out some of the, you know, the in-between time, uh, you, you know, it's not typically a fun place to eat. You don't want to eat on a toilet. The toilet's gross. It's disgusting, right? Well, in a large house, you have both kinds of vessels, right? And that's what it's talking about here. Some to honor and some to dishonor. Toilet would be one you're going to dishonor, in case you didn't know. Amen. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, that's the, you know, the sin and all that stuff, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So it says now flee, flee the youthful lusts, you know, all the, the, the lusts of the flesh, and pursue with those who call on the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're talking about here. Like, we're, we're, we're running after the Lord. It's like, find some people that are running after God. I think you found somebody, right? You found somebody in here. Somebody else who's running after God. Find somebody like that. Connect to them. Flee those youthful lusts. And let's run on into the plan of God. But you, what, what does it say? There? Let's back up to that verse. Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, 
prepared for every good work. The person who leaves behind the old nature is essentially what it's saying. The person who rejects the old nature and says, I, am, I, I want this, this godly nature abiding in me, the fruits of the Spirit, hallelujah. I want that abiding in me. I want to be according to this way. It's those people who are useful to God. Those people that, that, that have allowed themselves to be transformed, amen, into the image of the Son. Glory to God. Uh, Romans 12, oh, I ran out of time. Romans 12, 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present, you present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And we talked about that, that worship is what you do. That, that spiritual service of worship is the actions that you take. You prove your worship to God. You say, I worship you, God. I remember I was doing this, right? I may, may have been this church or another church. I was saying the words, I worship you, Lord. And I heard this in my spirit, do you really? And he wasn't, he wasn't rebuking me like I don't worship him. But he was, he was pointing to me, it was pointing out something to me, that that, that that idea of worship, just saying I worship you is not worshiping him. Just saying I follow God is not following him. Following God is one who actually is pursuing. Uh, following God is one who's cleansing themselves of the former so they can be useful for God for the latter. Now I want to close with Ephesians 3.20. I know I went a little bit over time here. I don't know how far over, but we, and this is a scripture I have quoted so many times, and although it, it definitely can apply to those things, I just, just recently, today, saw it differently. Amen? Ephesians 3.20. It says here, now, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church, be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. You know, some versions say exceedingly abundantly. He do exceedingly abundantly. I always, always thought, I always heard it this way, that this was a scripture. Uh, you know, if I could ask for something, God will give me more. If I could do it, God's going to do it more. But I don't really think that that's the focus of this scripture. See, the focus of this scripture is, see, we, we could plan our way. We can plan our ideas. We can plan the things that we're going to do. But what God is able to do is far exceedingly abundantly above. It's beyond what we can plan. And, and you see that here as we look at it, uh, according to the power that works with us. God's power is not working in us just to increase our own lives. God's power will work in you to increase your own life, but that's not the purpose of the power. The purpose of the power working in us is to do, be empowered to do his work. Now look at this, it says in connected verse 21, because it's connected with a comma, right? To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever. In him is the glory. The glory is in his work. God is glorified when we work for him, when we're doing the things for him. So, so, so the, when you look at this, it, it, I, I think it's not hard to see exactly what I'm talking about. This scripture is not about just God pouring out, uh, you know, you didn't ask for, like, uh, I, I asked for, uh, you know, a $10 Lego set and I got a $20 Lego set. He did exceedingly abundantly above. Hey, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No, I do think that that principle applies throughout Scripture. You can see that. But that's not the focus of this. The focus of this is that God, uh, when, we, when, we, when we insist on our plans, you can see God isn't consulting us for the plan. And so when we insist on our plan, when we come to God, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I want to do it. And this is how I want it to be laid out. And you, 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 you understand, right? And, and I'm going to go get this job and I'm going to build this business because and, and I'm going to bring it in so I can pay off your church. And God said, did, did I even tell you to pay off the church? God said, did I even tell you to do that? He said, the things I have for you are way bigger than what you're, what you're planning. But see, you're so caught up doing what you think. And see, a lot, that's a good-hearted person, a person that, that wants to pay off the church, that wants to be a blessing to God's people. But God's saying, look at my plan. Stop looking at your own plans. Stop looking into your own life and saying, uh, you, you know, this is what I can do, so this is what I'm going to do. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God has called you to do. If you're going to be useful for God, we have to get out of this me mindset. And the me mindset is both either I can or I can't. 
Because as soon as you say, I can't, you're doing the same thing as the person I see. You're filled with pride, saying that, you, that, that, that the plan of God it, it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter what God says about it. See, if God asks you to do it, he's already provided the way. He's already provided the grace. He's already provided the finances. He's already provided the strength. He's already provided the wisdom. He's already provided everything in it because he's not asking you to fulfill your plan. He's asking you to fulfill his. I said he's asking you to fulfill his. Are you fulfilling God's plan or are you fulfilling your plan? A useful Christian is seeking after God's plan to fulfill, not their own. Amen?